Welcome to the Victory Orlando Church Podcast. We are so glad you decided to join us. We want to help you to know God, find freedom, and discover your divine purpose so that you can make a difference with your life. We pray this message encourages you, inspires you, brings you hope, and builds your faith. We're in a series called This is Victory. Let me hear you say, This is Victory. Yeah. And welcome, because that's the name of the church, so that's why we named the series This is Victory. Just a a time for us to kind of uh, continue to build on this idea of faith that we've been talking about uh, this summer, what faith is, how we engage with faith, how we build faith, and how we begin to live a life of great faith. Because um, Scripture says that God has put inside of every one of us a measure of faith. So you have faith inside of you. No matter if you feel like it's small or great or whatever, there's a measure of faith inside of you. And God didn't put it there just to hang out inside of you and exist. He put it inside of you. He gave us faith to grow, to expand, so that we could bring the supernatural things that God has spoken and declared into reality, into this earth. Right? And it's not, when we say supernatural, it's not trying to be spooky or sci-fi or weird or anything it's just the reality that, that God is spirit. He, he's supernatural. We Flesh, this is natural. But who God is is real. And so we bring the supernatural things, just like when we receive salvation in Jesus, that's a supernatural experience. It's not something we can manufacture or see with our eyes or do on our own. It's something that God does by his spirit when a person invites him into their life and gives him their life. It's a supernatural thing. It requires a measure of faith. And we are called to grow our faith. All throughout scripture, there's instructions for us on how our faith grows. One way we know is in Romans 10 where it says that faith comes by hearing and hearing the message which is heard about Christ. So when the word of God is spoken and declared, our faith begins to grow. That's why it's so important, the voices we listen to. Don't just listen to any old podcast just because they have a platform or or whatever. No, we're going to listen to where the word of God is spoken. Where the Spirit of God is present, right? That's why we work really hard uh, in this church. Everything that we do is going to be centered around the Word of God. And and in our messages, that's why we always give scriptures from multiple locations. Because you can take anything out of context. But we're not. We're going to be those that, uh, through our faith, believe God's Word, understand the whole counsel of the Word so that we can apply it to situations and see what God has promised. So we've been kind of building on that, talking about this idea of who God has called us to be, uh, who we're going to be, right? I say that all the time. This is who we are. This is who we're going to be, right? We're going to be people of faith. And so we've been talking about this. um, uh, And we've kind of been framing it in the context of our vision of the church, um, and, and some of you know this, you've heard me talk about it before, and some of you have heard just a few times, and so I want it to be familiar. I don't want you to ever forget what the purpose, what the vision of this church is all about. It's not just so that we can come in and have some great services, which we do. Like, there's more to it than that. So our, our vision of the church, there's three parts. We have our purpose, our mission, and our values, And it's those three elements that help guide everything that we do, all the decisions that we make, everything we get involved in, anywhere that we invest resources is guided through these three things, purpose, mission, value. So what are they? Our purpose is this. And if you know it, say it with me. If you don't, it's on the screen and we can read it all together. One, two, three. We exist to reach people with the life-giving message of Jesus and connect them to their purpose. That's why this church exists. And in case you didn't know, it matches up right along with what was called the Great Commission. Jesus said, go into all the world, preach the gospel, make disciples. So that's where we get, we want to reach people with the life-giving message of Jesus. Go, go preach the gospel and make disciples is connect people to their purpose. Because you have purpose in your life. Whether you know it or you don't know it or you hope it or you're not sure about it, God has a plan and a purpose for your life. And um, so we believe in connecting people to their purpose and helping them to grow in their faith. So that's our purpose. Our mission then is the thing that helps us to accomplish our purpose because I don't want to lead something or be part of something that has something nice on the wall but then is doing something different. 
doesn't know how they're accomplishing the purpose. So for us, we know we're accomplishing our purpose because our mission helps us guide us to make sure they're guideposts, mile markers along the journey to make sure we're being successful in the purpose. So our mission is this. Again, they'll have it on the screen. If you know it by heart, say it with me. We want to help people to know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and make a difference. So everything that we do is centered in one of those four things. So we primarily help people to know God through our Sunday services and our outreaches that take place, right? That's how we're connecting people to God in a primary way. We're helping people find freedom, grow in their relationship with the Lord uh, through small groups, connect groups. And that's why we always talk about it. And if you're not part of one, it's okay, boo, but you should just be in one. Tuesday night, ladies. Ladies night. It's Tuesday night. It ain't Friday anymore. It's Tuesday night. Men, come on. Where's all my men at? Oh, oh, come on. Y'all going to leave me hanging like that? I, I see how it is. It's all right. It's all right. Men, Wednesday night, 7 o'clock, Panera Bread. Come on. It's an awesome, awesome time. And we set up youth exactly at 7, same time, but we open a little bit early so you have time to drop your kids off before you drive over to have men's group, and then you have enough time afterwards to come pick them up. Youth is Wednesday nights. Get your kids, middle school, high school, in a small group. And then uh, young adults is the third Friday of every month. Like, find freedom in connection, relationship with other people. And then we want to help people discover their purpose. One of the primary ways we begin that process is through our next steps. And then making a difference is how we serve one another. Come on, so everything we do is filtered through that. So we know our purpose. We know our, our mission is tell, telling us if we're accomplishing the purpose. But then we have our values. Because it matters how we are together. Our values tell us how we behave together. We, we even call them behavioral values. Because we can accomplish our purpose and do some great things for God. And if at the end of the day there's uh, strife and bickering and gossip, we lose. If we hate the people that we're serving next to, like, that's no good. Why do we even, like, that's not the point. Like, we got to have values then that tell us how we're going to be when we're together. So we define seven values for us as a church. And you've probably heard me mention these before, but our number one value is the love of God. Everything we do, we're motivated by the love of God. If you are going to show up at 7 a.m. to set up on a Sunday, you have to be motivated by the love of God. Come on, and I'm looking at a few people that I know are motivated by the love of God, and I'm just praying you have a little extra motivation to join the setup team. Maybe you want to stick around and sweat with us after service to the teardown team. That's the love of God. When you're serving in kids, jumping around, teaching them how to worship and all that, that's the love of God motivating a person. When you're standing out by the gate waving to families, you're motivated by the love of God to help people feel welcomed into the house of God. Everything we do is centered around the love of God, but also we value unity. We protect the vision of Victory Orlando Church. It's we over me. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, we over me. Yeah. Family, we are better together. Generosity, we live to give. Compassion, we're a local church with a global vision. Teachability, we have a desire to learn and a willingness to grow. My personal favorite is fun. We love what we do. You don't got to, we get to, y'all. Like, the best thing that we can do, the funnest thing is to serve the Lord in this way. So that's why I say this is who we are. And it's who we're going to be. It's who we are because that's what we've decided. And it's who we're going to be because God's still working on us. You know what I'm saying? None of us have arrived there. And so we're just going to one day, each day, get better. Like yesterday was the worst I'm going to be. Today I'm going to be better. Anybody else? Like I'm just going to keep growing in these things, keep allowing the, God, the Lord to work in my heart. And so we've been talking about this. This is victory. And last week um, I shared this message, Mighty Warrior. It's on our podcast. You can get it there. But it was really kind of... Um, setting the stage for today, just kind of helping us to get a, a fresh vision of our lives, of how God sees us. Because too often, we discount our lives. We have a discounted view of ourselves because of what we've been through. Maybe because of what we are going through. Maybe because of what someone else said to us. We have a discounted view, and, and now this is as far as we think we can go. Or what somebody didn't say to us. We hoped that they would say this, and that they didn't, and it you know, left its mark. And so now we have, too often we have this discounted view that then when we hear messages like God has good plans for your life, we're like, yeah, but. 
we still see ourselves, God, you have good, but I'm just going to have to deal with this discounted version of my life. I have this discounted version of my calling uh, and my capability and my abilities. And um, I want to give us this fresh vision of that. Um, Anybody love to shop? Okay, a few of y'all. My wife, my daughter, they love to shop. That's awesome. I am not one who loves to shop. So if you love to shop, more power to you, you know, great. Um, I do, however, love to find great deals. Anybody else? Um, if y'all been around me, a few, uh, you know, for a few minutes, you know I love shoes um, and I love jackets. And many of the shoes that I have, like, I only bought them because they had great deals. Now, when I go shopping, you can ask my wife. I know what I want before I go to the store. I know where it is in the store. I walk in, I get it, I walk to the register, and I get out of Dodge. You know what I'm saying? That's how I shop, y'all. And so I've had to grow and learn in these last few years to, to hang out in stores while other people are shopping. And, but I do love to find a, a discount. Like when I walk into the store and I'm looking for shoes or clothes or something, I always go to the clearance section. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Like there's a red sign that says clearance. And that's my, that's my jam. That's where I find stuff. That back wall of the Nike store is like, it's like a step towards heaven. You know what I'm saying? Because there's shoes in there that are nice, that are discounted. Brian, you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Praise the Lord. I love finding discounts. I didn't wear them today, but I have this one pair of, of Jordans. They're red and black, and I love them. And uh, I, they're like $150 shoes that I got for $35, y'all. Come on, Jesus. And so please don't be, I know, right? Please don't be posting me to preacher sneakers when you see me on there. Like, your boy just working hard looking for deals, okay? And uh, (laughs) I love to go to the deep discount section because it's in that section there's some shoes that hadn't sold. Some things that people were like, nah, I don't need that. Things that people overlooked and for whatever reason weren't bought. Maybe the size was too big, too small, the wrong color, the wrong season. People didn't like the design, didn't fit with their outfit, didn't like it. And so they throw it in the discount section, mark the price way down, hope somebody will clear it out of the store. Can I tell you God doesn't shop in the clearance section? God didn't overlook you, make you too big, too small, wrong size. He didn't say, oh, no one wants this in this season. No, God created you with intentionality. Psalms 139, before I was ever made, you knew me. You wrote all my days in your book, Lord God. God knew you. He had a plan for your life before he ever made you. He had a plan, and then he made you, right? He had a plan that only Mike could fill, and then he made a mic. And then he put everything inside of Mike that was needed to fulfill that plan. It wasn't the other way around. He wasn't like, he didn't make Mike and then be like, what are we going to do with this guy? Aren't you glad? I'm glad too. No, God put talents, abilities, calling, anointing inside of him, created him, put him 2023 East Orlando right here at Victory Orlando Church on purpose. God doesn't have a discounted view. We're not, God doesn't put us in the clearance section. God has us on that front stand where everything is too expensive. You know what I'm saying? How do I know that? Well, because God paid the ultimate price. He didn't ask for a discount on your salvation. He gave the first, the best, all that he had. He said, I'm going to send my only son, came to the earth, the fully God, fully man, shed his blood, bore your sickness on his back, wore the crown of thorn that crushed his skull so that you could walk in peace of mind. He paid everything. Jesus paid it all. And so, listen, we've got to begin. It's, It's this mentality that we need to begin to walk in. It's not a prideful mentality. It's a humble mentality because of what God has done. But what it does then, that's where scripture says, when we humble ourselves before the Lord, then he'll lift us up at the right time. I see. And when we're humble before him in his presence, realizing like, God, I didn't deserve that. I should have been in the clearance section. Like, but because of your grace, Lord, I'm available. If you can use my life. It's messed up as it seems to be to me. If it's it's something you want, it's yours. Like, when we... 
live in this attitude of humility, man, then he lifts us up and begins to give us a new view. See, humility is not thinking, I'm not good enough, I'm not worth it, I, I can't do anything. No, that, that's false humility. It's a form of pride because you, it's still elevating self to that place of I can't, I'm not good enough. Well, of course, that's a given. We need him. He's everything. But humility then comes under his authority to say, God, it's just yours. Have your way. And so it's beginning to get this view of who we are. In fact, I want to give you this scripture, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. This is a beautiful passage of scripture, this chapter. I encourage you to read the whole thing. It talks about the moment of salvation. The old is gone. The new is here when we come into Christ. And then he concludes this this chapter, this, this teaching with this verse. He says, God made him, that's Jesus, who had no sin to be sin for us. So that in him, what would happen? We might become the righteousness of God. So this is how God sees you. God sees you through the righteousness of Christ. He doesn't see you through your past. He doesn't see you through your shortcomings that you call shortcomings. He doesn't see you through your brokenness or where you missed it or where you feel guilty or where shame is coming at you. No, he sees you through the way he would look at Christ. He sees you through that lens, righteous, in right relationship with him. He sees you as a mighty warrior. He sees you as qualified, as equipped, as anointed. Come on, he doesn't see you as the underdog. Is this good today? Come on, This is who we are. This is who we're going to be. So as we've been talking about this, we've kind of looked at the scripture, Isaiah chapter 54, verse 2 and 3. It's kind of been the basis for our series, uh, just kind of helping us to expand what God wants to do. You know, whenever we make space for God, he will fill it. And so uh, 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 action of faith for us to go beyond just praying, God, fill my life. Like, we can pray that all day, but if we don't make room for him, there's no space for him to fill. Here he says, Isaiah 54, 2, enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch your curtains wide. Do not hold back. Let me hear you say, don't hold back. That was good, but I need a little more sass in there. Don't hold back. Come on, y'all sound good today. Don't hold back. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stakes, for you will spread out to the right. And to the left, your descendants will dispossess nations and settle in desolate cities. Come on, it's a, it's a prophetic word that when we expand our thinking, when we expand our capabilities, when we make room for what God wants to do, he will fill it. And not only will he fill us, but there will be a result that expands to generations and to nations are affected. That's why we say we're a local church, but we have global vision. We're not just focused on us four no more. No, we're focused on expanding, preparing, growing so that we can reach our community, so that we can reach our city, so that we can reach our state, and so that we can reach around the world. Come on. So today I want to share this word in these next few moments. Head, shoulders, knees, and toes. Come on, anybody remember that song? Head, shoulders, knees, and toes, knees, and toes. You're going to be singing that this afternoon. You are welcome. If you got your Bibles or you got the free version Bible app, turn with me, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I want to start in verse 12. If you want to follow along in the version app, they'll have the QR code on the screen. You can snap that, and it'll take you right to the notes. You can save it, share it, whatever you want to do there. We do that every week. We also email you the link um, so you have it that way as well. Here uh, in 1 Corinthians 12, the Apostle Paul, he's writing to the church in a city called Corinth. Um, He's also writing to a church in a city called uh, uh, Orlando in Avalon Park. Come on, that's you and me. And he's talking about how the church was meant to operate. Uh, Throughout Scripture, the church is called many things. We're called the body of Christ. We're called the army of God. We're called the bride of Christ. Uh, We talked about how the church is called the hospital and all those different things, right? But here, um, he's talking to us about the body, the body of Christ. The church is what he's referring to. And there's a specific way the church is supposed to function. Um, And (laughs) spoiler alert, it's not the way a lot of us have made it out to be. 
verse 12, he, this is what he writes. He says, just as, one, as a body, a physical body, though one, you have many parts, but all its many parts form one body. So it is with Christ. Now that word Christ there, he's using in reference to the body of Christ, the church. So he's saying just like your physical body, you've got a physical body, you've got fingers. Anybody got fingers? You've got an arm that's separate from your, your torso and your shoulders and your legs. You've got all kinds of parts. You know what I'm talking about? It's like high school anatomy. You've got different parts, but he says it all makes up your one body. And he says it's the same with Christ. So that's why when you look around the room, there's people different than you. In fact, I believe this is the vision of what the church is supposed to be, that the church is not supposed to look just like me. And that's one of the things I love about us, Victory, is that it doesn't look just like me. Like when I look around, I see all skins, I see all backgrounds, I see different languages, ethnicities, like, and that's the way it should be. Like when we get to heaven, it's going to be all different languages worshiping, all different skin colors. In fact, some people are going to be surprised who they're standing next to in, that, you know, in heaven worshiping the Lord. Like, it's going to be beautiful, and we are meant to be a picture, a glimpse of what heaven is like. So if you look around and it only looks like you in the church, problem. And that's why I'm glad it doesn't look like me. Come on, I love it. It should look different than us. I should be, I should be around people who look differently than me, and even sometimes believing different than me. We talked about how the church is the hospital. Like, I need people in my life who don't know Christ, because it... Otherwise, who am I bringing to Christ? Now, and that's a different message. I'm not there to just, to just go clubbing every weekend. There's a difference between being a light in the darkness and just going down and being dark in the darkness. Amen? Okay. He says, he says so next verse, he says, For we were all baptized into one spirit so as to form our own opinions about things. Now, come on. It's, it's an open book test. Baptized into one spirit to form our own way of doing things, our own preferences. No, he says what? He says to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, whether Bithlow or Avalon Park, whether West Side or East Side, come on somebody, whether Lake Nona or Oviedo, whether any of that, we were all given one spirit to drink. So even so, the body is, is not made up of one part, but many. Now, if your foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to this body. Wouldn't that be a crazy thing? And you go to get out of bed in the morning, you're like, fall to the ground because your foot was like, I'm out. See ya. If I can't be a hand, nothing. That would be disaster. He says, your, your foot would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. And if your ear should say, because I'm not the eye, I do not belong to this body, it would not, st for that reason, stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? Anybody getting a picture of Mike Wazowski from Monsters, Inc. right now? I'm just telling you, Disney plagiarized the Bible. You heard it here. Like just one big eye walking around. That would be weird. If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. So you thought you just, you just, thought you just showed up here because it was, you thought it was a good idea. Hey, God brought you here. God put you here strategically. He called you here, like to plant your life here. He, he wanted you specifically in this period of time he, he didn't make a mistake. He didn't get confused. Uh, even on your gender, you're the right gender, the way God made you. Come on. God knew what he was doing and specifically put you into the body of Christ the way that he desired. He says, if we were all the same part, where would be the body? If every one of us was a hand, there would be no body. It would just be a big hand walking around. As it is, there are many parts but one body. Come on. So we're not accidents. We're not mistakes. We are here on purpose. Our giftings, did you know you have spiritual giftings that God has given you? They're not a mistake either. The passions that you have inside of you, the things that you're passionate about, like that get you fired up, they're not a mistake either. In fact, God matched up your giftings to go along with your passions so that they would work together to bring people to Jesus and bring glory to him. 
And so that's why maybe my giftings and my passions are different than yours. It's okay. It's not that one is greater than the other. No, we're, we're all the same. And aren't you glad you just have the one nose? What if you're, you had, instead of eyes, you had all noses? You didn't have lips either. It was a nose. You didn't have ears, and it was a nose on both sides. And you didn't have a chin, and it was a nose. Can you imagine if all you had was noses? I mean, you would smell everything. And people would be looking at you like you're looking at me right now. You know, be like, if someone's looking at you strange, it's because they pictured you with all noses. You know? Like, we're not all the same. We shouldn't be. God didn't design us that way. We're uniquely created with God. And by the way, if you don't know your, your spiritual giftings, it's okay. But I believe that's one reason why God brought you here. And so I just encourage you, get on the journey, get in next steps. That's what next steps is designed to do. Uh, on step two, you'll leave with your three to five spiritual gifts that you have in your life right now that are operating. See, sometimes we associate our spiritual gifts to just, well, that's just the way I am. And there's truth to that. It is the way you are, but it's a divine design. God designed you that way, and it's not just because it's how you are. It's his the spiritual giftings he put inside of you. And we need to begin to identify them, mark them, and know what they are so we can grow in them and begin to use them for his purposes rather than just to exist. And if you don't know them, that's okay. But let's get on a journey to discover them. Next steps is every month, first three Sundays of the month. Um, I encourage you, it'll be an amazing. Look at the next verse. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. Aren't you glad your eye can't tell your hand, I don't need you, but hit the road, Jack. No, and the hand cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. Now, there's a lot of words in there, and it's, this is not a message about modesty, right? But Scripture has given us the picture of something we do every day to help us understand the spiritual principle of how the church is meant to operate and how are we are meant to operate in the church, right? You know, it's like, why are you wearing clothes today? It's not just to look fine. It's because there's parts of you no one needs to see. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you're married, then your sugar boo is designed to see those parts, but nobody else. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's parts of you no one else needs to see. And that's, a, that's another message for another day, and some just need to be reminded of that. Like, let's just cover up some things. You know what I'm saying? And, um, but it's not a message about that. But it is the idea that not every part needs to be put out in, in public. And other parts of us, we spend a lot of money on to make look real fine. You know, we get our, our hair done, or like, you know, you can tell how much time I spend on mine. You know, sometimes, you know, you know, we spend a lot of skincare product and shaving so that we look a certain way to present the parts of us that people see so that people think we've got everything put together so that people think we look pretty and fun. You know what I'm talking about? Like we, we take care of certain parts and other parts are covered up, but every part is needed in the body to function. We're put in the church, in the body to function. Even your physical body declares this. Like every part of your physical body, God put in there for a specific purpose and function. And there, there's some parts like of you that like can be removed and you can still function. But typically with a diminished capacity. Did you know, I, I just learned this this week, I didn't know, but your body, you can have one set of your lungs removed and you can continue to live and breathe. Did you know that? I was amazed. Like, it, I can lose one half of my lung and still be able to breathe. Now, I would not recommend a marathon after that. Like, there's a greatly diminished capacity to breathe in the person that only has half of their lungs, but they can continue to live. But often I think, like, this is what has happened in the church is that we've allowed things to come in to take root in us like offense and bitterness and preference and pride and all these things. And then we surgically remove ourselves from a place that God brought us to and planted and positioned us specifically and said, God, I know better than you than to be in that place. And then we go to our other place and then we wonder why things don't work the way that they're supposed to and then why other places are just struggling to keep up. God put you in a place to create function to happen on a high level and so he's teaching us that through the scripture uh, right let's go let's go a step deeper the next verse he says but God put the body together 
giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it. So there should be no division in the body. Now, a division is part of a vision, but it's a vision that has gone multiple directions. That's why in this place we're passionate about talking about the vision. What are we doing? Why do we exist? That's why we, we're, we're not, it's not up for sale. We're not going to change it. The vision's been set. The direction's been set. God has spoken to us on where we want to be and what we're going to accomplish and all that. And it's not to say that what other places are doing is wrong or bad. It's what God has called them. But for this house, this is what we're going to do. This is the direction we're going to be. Amen? Right? So we're not going to allow division in the local house or in the body of Christ. Because we are one part. We are a a lowercase c church in the capital C church. That's why we always talk about other churches in our city that we're partnered with and investing into planting new churches and helping to raise up pastors. You know what I'm talking about. Not just here, but uh, on other continents as well. It's part of the vision of what God has put on our hearts to accomplish through the ministry of this place. And, and so we love other churches. We, I've just been, we've been investing into and praying with and, and helping a church that started in Boone High School in, in our downtown. Uh, Pastor Blake, today's their second Sunday. Come on, let's rejoice just a little bit for what God is doing down there. Uh, last week was their first Sunday, and he was just sharing with me. Uh, they had about 20 people respond at the altar to give their lives to Jesus at the end. And I was rejoicing, and I'm sharing with you because we've invested equipment and things into them to help them be successful. So we have a part in that as well because we are one body. So we're not competing with them or competing with other places. We are all in this thing together. Come on. Because Jesus is the one that it's about. He is the one we're going to glorify and lift up. We're part of his body. We're not building our own little kingdom. We're building the kingdom of God. He says, he says, so there should be no division in the body, but every part, let me hear you say every part, should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers. If one part is honored, every part rejoices. So if Pastor Moses out in Castleberry, if they win, we win. If Pastor Blake down in downtown wins, we win. Pastor Damon out in Lake Nona in that area, if he wins, we win. Come on. And when we win, they win. That's what it's about. He says, now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part. Look at somebody sitting beside you and say, you're a part of this. Yeah, you are a part of this. It's important for us to understand because we all have a specific function to play in the church. But I wonder sometimes if we are not, the set, we are not acting like a set of lungs that has been removed or has become dormant. A lot of times there's disease in bodies where an organ or something has ceased to function. And there's a disturbing statistic when you read about church statistics and stuff. I, I love the church. I, I'm always studying about it because I want to learn. I want to grow. I want to be better at what God has called me and entrusted me to, uh, with. And so like, I'm always reading about things. And one of the things is that it's like 20% of people in the church, American church today, are active in serving. 20%. So two out of eight serve in the church. That ain't right. And when, then when you talk about giving, the statistics get even worse. You talk about giving, it's like 7% of people who go to church give. And when they t the, the study showed that when they say, I go to church, they come twice a month. And then we look around and we're like, you know, I, I, I just wish they could help. They could, the church could serve me better in this capacity. I do too. But you know how the mission, the vision of the church moves forward? It's not through pressure or hopeful thinking. No, uh, the vision, the mission of our church moves forward at the combination of the resources we have and the involvement of the people. That's how we move the ball down the field. And so, man, I'm just today I want to stir us up to begin to realize that God has put something inside of you that is desperately needed. Now, I say desperately needed. And, and I want to preface that to say, like, the church is great. Church is going to happen every Sunday. I mean, you walk in, and you might not even know what happens, but this is a high school, and our team comes and transforms it into this beautiful place. And in the cafeteria where they're having kids' church, they turn into amazing rooms over there for our kids to learn about Jesus on their level. It's amazing transformation that takes place, right? 
It's amazing. So the church is going to move forward. The church is going to keep taking ground. We're going to keep growing. But it would just be better if you were a part. It would just move faster and greater if you were involved. If all the parts were functioning as God designed, right? That's how an effective church begins to move as good as the coffee was this morning when you came in. The free coffee. Aren't you glad the coffee free? Come on. Starbucks be charging you $6. And it ain't even good coffee. Church, coffee is better at church. As good as the coffee was, it's not the coffee then that caused you to feel like God was here in this place. It's not the, it's not the greeters that made you feel like uh, this could be a church you could call home. Maybe you thought, you know, it was the, all the energy that was going on in the kids or whatever else. No, it's because God called you and positioned you here. And people answered the call of God and showed you the goodness of God as you came into a place and made room for you to experience what God wanted you to experience. But God also called you to be the one to do that for someone else. Come on, we are rivers of life, not reservoirs. Everything's not for us. In fact, I would even say God did not call you simply to be part of a crowd. There's a difference between a crowd and a family. A crowd shuffles in and then shuffles out. A crowd, you sit around people, you cut. You kind of know, you kind of wave, but you really don't want them to know too much. You kind of just, you're there for you. You're there to have a great time, to get the goosebumps and all that kind of, like that's what a crowd is all about. And then you just, you easily go. But a family is not that way. A family knows you're good, you're bad. They know your triggers and all the things that can set you off. And sometimes they do and all that kind of stuff. But a family also eats together, hangs out together, loves one another, texts one another, calls one another, celebrates together, cries together knows all, like family is tight that's why we say we are better together and man that's if you miss everything else that's my prayer for you today like not that you would just like please don't church is not an institution it's a family it's the family of God and if you've never experienced that before in a church I pray today you experience the family of God not perfect no one's perfect no one is perfect I, like I'm gonna work really hard to never let you down, but I might let you down someday. Somebody sitting near you today might let you down, not on purpose, but as a family, what do we do? Then we forgive quick. Come on, somebody. I'm glad to be part of this church. Anybody else? So I want to talk about this idea in our last few minutes together. If, if God designed us to function in a certain way, how do we function in the church? Because I don't know about y'all, but I want to, like, function at a high capacity. I want to be that, 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 that thing in the church that just functions to the very best of the, my ability. You know, I, I, I've just had this, like, realization as I was praying one day, like, um, I don't want to get to heaven and God just say, hey, you did a good job. Great, like, you, you did a great job. You served me. You did these things. Great. But you could have done more. I, I, don't, I don't know about y'all, but I, I, don't want, I don't want to hold back. You know, Isaiah 54, we read it at the beginning. Stretch wide. Don't hold back. In your prayers, in your dreams, in your giving, in your serving, in your worshiping, in your singing, in your rejoicing, in your crying, everything, like all of it, don't hold back. What if we could just live that way? So how do we function that way? So I wrote down a few things, just three things I think that will help us to function in the church. The first one is this, is we need to utilize our current function. And, you know, that's a fancy way to say, like, what are you doing now? Sometimes we're like, okay, great, but then we, we don't get involved. We don't get connected. We never serve. We never utilize what we have. So many people are waiting for that one day till they get everything together. When I get, you know, it's like when people talk about having kids. One day when we're ready, bro, you're never ready for kids. They're going to mess things up, you know, in the best way possible. Like, but sometimes we approach our calling, what God wants us to do, opportunities that way. Like, what are the opportunities you have right now? Even if you have greater vision for the future of what God wants to do, odds are you'll never get to something greater if you never do something lesser. It's the little lesser things along the way that lead you to the greater. So what opportunities do you have right now? I mean, I can speak specifically for this church there, there's over 20 teams in our church right now that you could be a part of and help accelerate the vision of what God wants to do like day one. It just requires people to be faithful. I might not know it. I can show up, Pastor. I don't, I don't have to know it all. I, I can start right now. I love what Proverbs 18 
16 says, it says, your gifts will make room for you. So the things that God has put inside of you, if you begin to use them, they'll make room for you. That means they'll begin to expand what's before you. It'll increase the opportunities. It'll bring you to places you couldn't have earned or dreamed up or paid for on your own. Your gifts will make room for you, and God will lead you in that way. And i got to give you this warning, though. If you want to begin to utilize the function God has put inside of you, the opportunities will always look like serving someone else. It will always look like serving someone else. And I just got to say, like if, you're, if you're too big to serve, then you're too small to lead something great. Everything starts with serving. Jesus said, the greatest among you is not the richest, not the most qualified, not the best dressed, not the biggest uh, line on your Instagram port, you know, uh, descriptor. The greatest among you will be the servant. So what opportunities are in front of you right now? Romans chapter 12, verse 6, the Apostle Paul said, we have different gifts. I love that, the certainty of that. You have spiritual gifts. That's what he's saying. We all have different gifts. It wasn't like you have some gifts and and you have some gifts and you have some gifts, but the rest of y'all don't know. That's not what he's saying. He's saying we all have different gifts. So just just rest assured, like, God, God sees you that way. He sees you valuable skilled, qualified enough to entrust you with spiritual gifts. Isn't that good to know? That should put a smile on your face. He says, we have different gifts according to the grace given to us. If your gift is prophesying, prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, give encouragement. If it's giving, give generously. If it's to lead, do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Come on. Like whatever the gifting is, you have a pivotal role to play in the body of Christ. That's why I always say church is not a spectator sport. It's a family I belong to. It's something I'm a part of. So when I say this, you know, that's why I try not to say this is my church because it's not my church. I don't own this place. It's my church because I've just decided this is going to be my church. But you should have the same decision. And I hope you have that choice where you say this is my church. Like, we should have that level of ownership, not just here, but in the larger body of Christ as well, because it's where we belong. And I would just tell you, what you have to offer is not secondary. It's not secondary. You are not an afterthought in God's plan, and you're not an afterthought in this house. Second key is this. So, so first, we're going to maximize our current function but then we can improve the effectiveness of our function. Like, we might be functioning, but it might not be very efficient or very effective. You know, it's like that car that gets nine miles to the gallon, but it could get 30. <laughs> and, and that, you know, that we could preach that for days right now, almost $4, you know, like, okay. We can increase the efficiency, the effectiveness of our function. That just means, like, when I start serving in a way, it might not be what I, what I would have picked if I had my pick of things. It might not be what, I, what it should be one day or whatever, but I'm going to start somewhere. I might not even know everything, but I'm going to start learning. I can start growing. In fact, most people that start in something that God has called them to do don't know everything day one or day two or day 50. Because we, like... The know-it-all will never do anything. But those who will seek after wisdom, seek after knowledge, continue to grow. So, like, like read some books. Leaders are readers. Read a book. I I try to read a chapter of a book every day. Uh, You know, I keep a list of all the books that I've read every year. Then the next year, I'm going to read more books than I read the previous year. Like, I'm going to, I want to learn. Like, maybe you need to, like, get, get that GED. Go back, get that undergrad degree. Get a master's degree. Whatever it is, like, get, get more knowledge. Get online. Read some things. Like, grow your mind. Ask God in prayer. God, give me revelation, understanding of your word. Like, the Apostle Paul, like, he received that revelation from the Spirit to understand, and God will give us the same, right? We can increase the efficiency of our function while we're functioning. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 12 says it this way. If anyone builds on this foundation, now the foundation he's talking about is the gospel of Jesus, right? So we recognize that's what he says. If we build on top of the foundation of Jesus, or, or if we put it in more plain language, like if we begin to do what God has called us to do, 
then he says, we use gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, straw. Whatever it is he says we do, that work will be shown for what it is because the day will bring it to light. Now, that day he's talking about is capital D day. So it's a specific day. It's judgment day. <laughs> this is the day that we, each of us will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And all that we've done, Scripture says, good and bad will be evaluated. And he says in the next verse, look what he says. It will be revealed with fire. And the fire will test the quality of each person's work. Oh, this should wake us up a little bit. So everything that we do, he says, and we're, with whatever we build with, wood, stone, it's going to go through the fire to test the quality of our work. He says, if what has built, been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. The opposite probably is also true. If it doesn't survive, that builder probably will not receive a reward, right? This is what it means to live for eternity. That I can be doing some things, but I can be more effective. I can be more efficient. I can, uh, I can focus things on heaven and eternity, things that are going to make an impact, not just here. See, we can live our lives for anything, but the only thing that really matters is if we lived our lives to affect eternity. And we affect eternity by helping other people be rescued from darkness, pulling them to Jesus, making a way for other people to find Christ and bringing glory to God in all that we do. Like, that's what matters. And, and I love the fact when he talks about the things, the work of our lives, notice he's not specifying quantity. You know, so like if you don't, share your faith with a million people, like, then it doesn't mean that your work wasn't good enough. Like, it's not about that. It's like, what did you do with what you had? Did you build with everything you had or did you build with a lesser so you could use the other? Like, it's just realizing we're gonna direct everything that we have towards eternity. Here's the last one today. I'm gonna ask the band to come back up. Talking about how we function in the church. Number one, we're going to begin to maximize our function, our opportunities. Number two, improve our efficiency, our effectiveness. And the last one is to increase our capacity, the capacity of our function. So operating in your function, in your abilities, is not uh, an excuse to not grow. We're always meant to be growing. And I think too often the, the things of life get us in this mode where we can stop dreaming, where we can stop planning for the future, where we just kind of begin to coast a little bit, where we begin to plateau in some areas, almost like maintaining. We're not just here to maintain or keep the lights on. Come on. We're here to advance the kingdom of God on the earth. And, and we've got to get some gumption about it, like the enemy is pushing back with everything that he has. Too many people have relegated they're, they're the holy righteous anger inside of them for a generation to a post on Facebook. And that's fine, but it should fire like, don't post on Facebook and not serve in youth. Don't come talking to me about, oh, gender this and this generation that or whatever, if you're not gonna step up and function in a role to help bring people out of it. Amen. I love what, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, the Apostle Paul says, so Christ himself, so, so who's, who gave this? Christ, Jesus, put this into the church. He says he gave us apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Those are five of the gifts that God, the functions God put into the body. He put these functions into the body, and he tells us why. He says to equip his people. That includes us, right? Are you a people? Yes, you are people. So I am people. So these five functions are then, he says, to equip his people for works of service. Why? So the body of Christ would be built up until we all reach unity in faith and reach knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of God. So, so do you see like the spiritual growth wherever you are in your journey with God? That's great. God wants you to keep growing. He wants you to keep being equipped. He's not just going to like send you out with something that's too much for you and not give you the tools and the resources and everything that you need. It's just that he gives it to you along the way. 
Because most, if you're like me probably, or, you know, if he gave us everything we needed to accomplish it at the beginning, it might get, oh, well, we might try to have too much of our own wisdom and start trying to divert everything to other things rather than to his plans and purposes. So then as we take steps of faith, then he begins to release things for those steps of faith that continue to advance the vision. Right? But here he's saying, listen, I want you to grow into maturity. I want you to excel to where your faith grows, to where you know more about the spirit and how it operates. So you have more discernment and you have more revelation, understanding. He says, but I don't want it just to be about you. I don't want you just to take everything in. I want you to then be focused on building other people up. He says it's about the body being strengthened, being raised up so that someone else could grow into all that they've called to, God has called them to be. That's why we're so passionate in this place. Like who we are, we're going to be those. Like, see, success is not just about me and what I can do. I would even say success is not even like did our church grow? Did we outgrow a building? Did we get our own? Those things are great. I, I, I'm believing those things are going to happen. Like I have vision for that, that buildings struggle to contain the number of people coming to, into the church to get saved, to get connected. Like we have vision for that. We're believing for that. Believe with us. But that's not success. Success is what happens when I'm not here. Success is those coming behind me. Did I invest into them? Did I raise them up so that they could go further, so that they could reach further and last longer than I ever could? That's what success looks like in our families, in our church. Come on, let's get to our feet today. This is who we are. This is who we're going to be. We're going to be those that grow. God wants us to grow, to begin to maximize what he's, the opportunities before us. He wants to increase our efficiency, to learn new things, to become better at what we do. But he also wants us to expand our capability. It's our capability is those coming behind us. Who am I pouring into what God has given to me? Who am I raising up and giving opportunity to grow? I think about all of the people in my life. Man, one of the people in my life, her name's Pastor Shirley. She's a spiritual mom to me. She was my uh, kid's pastor growing up, and I think about all the times. She gave me opportunities. She taught me how to worship. She was there to wipe tears away and hug me when I needed it. She taught me how to study the word and depend on the word. She gave me opportunities to lead when I probably didn't deserve it and gave me correction when I needed it. I'm so thankful. She invested into me. And see, we're here today. All of us are here today standing on the shoulders of somebody else who invested into you what you know today. But what if we could help accelerate the next? What if we could be those who at the end of our lives then we didn't hold back we invested into them and while we're passing the baton while we're leading those that are coming are running past us faster and farther and we're cheering them on that's what it's about so come on all over this room let's just begin to lift our voices to heaven thank you for listening to the victory orlando church podcast we hope today's message helps you take another step closer to knowing god and finding freedom through his word